0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. It's a beautiful music today. Can we we give all these folks a round of applause just... Thank you for leading us in worship before the throne of the Lord. Take your Bible today and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 12. There is no chapter 12. Chapter 5. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And what beautiful music today. Our God is on the throne. and Jesus Christ has been crucified and resurrected, ascended into heaven and coming again one day for us. And the Spirit of the living Lord is alive and well in the body of Christ, the church, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful uh, this morning to be able to lift up Jesus Christ, for He said that when He is lifted up, He would draw all men unto Himself. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 12 through 28 today. A few weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine asked me, he said, now listen with the the last uh, the last few sermons that you have, last few Sundays, are you going to preach uh, anything different? You're gonna you're gonna have uh, uh, anything special that you want to do? And uh, I just looked at him and said, No, I'm gonna do the same thing I always do, just to preach through books of the Bible. So we're gonna finish First Thessalonians today, and uh, it's the way that I started. And I think the first series I preached through here at Emmanuel was First Peter. And so we'll end today, hopefully, in verse number 28. And I promise to have you out no later than 3 o'clock. So we can, uh, we'll make a short work of this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And then we'll look at the text. Our Father, we love you and thank you for your kindness and mercy and grace. All of those things operate in our lives every day. Lord, we uh, as believers, we're almost like fish that don't know that we live in water. We are exposed to the very present Uh, God, the kindness, the mercy, the grace that you have every day in our lives. And we love you, we bless you, and thank you for it. I pray now that as we look through these verses, that the Spirit of God would open our hearts, that you would teach us and apply the Word so that we might be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And we will love you and thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Because of the length of the text today, I I think what I'll do is just break it for you in a part in maybe three or four sections. We'll read a couple of those verses at a time and then I'll make some comments on that for you. So I think maybe the uh, first I'll give you the structure today. So verse 12 and 13, I, I just want to make the point of the pastor, all right? The pastor, and we'll talk a little bit about what that looks like in this text. And then from verse 14 and 15, the people. From verse 16 down to verse number 22 would be the person, the individual person. And then verse 23 to 28, uh, he speaks here about those who are parting, those who are departing into another land to do work for the Lord. So tried to alliterate this for you just for today to make it kind of a simpler text and and one that would stay in your mind. And I could think of no better uh, text to leave you with than uh, than this one. So let's take our time with it today. First of all, verse 12 and 13, uh, the pastor. Notice it says here, But we request of you, brethren that you appreciate those who, notice the three participial phrases here, those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then he notice how he ends that, live in peace with one another. He ends that little section by saying live in peace with one another because he understands that between a church and between a pastor or between elders and a church body, there is somewhat of a marital relationship and the way that we live in peace, the way that we come to love each other and to be unified is by following this pattern that's before us. I also want want you to notice that at the beginning of verse number 12 and at the beginning of verse number three, there's this idea here, I request or I urge or I I say strongly to you to appreciate and to esteem these elders or these pastors who are leading and guiding and directing the uh, congregation, that you're to esteem and appreciate them highly. And I just want to pause for a moment and say that from Connie and myself, we want to say to you as a church that we have felt the appreciation and the grace and the gratitude in all these years. Uh, this church has done a wonderful job by and large of loving and appreciating and esteeming those who have led uh, in the body of Christ. Christ here, and I just want to say thank you, and and that's, I wish I had a better vocabulary. I wish there are a whole plethora of words that I could use to say thank you, but from the bottom of my heart, I want to say to you, you have done a wonderful, wonderful job of appreciating and esteeming those who are leading And yet I want to take a moment for you as you move forward and you transition uh, from me to what's coming next. And at the end, you'll hear from uh, our brother Jim as uh, that process is uh, going along wonderfully and they're going to be moving in that direction. You need to be thinking about the pastor that will come uh, in the future and the elders that you might possibly have in the future. And I, I want to say to you that you always ought to esteem them and appreciate them highly before the Lord for their work's sake. It is not an easy job to pastor or shepherd a congregation of people. And yet I want to say this to you as EBC. Remember this, that hugs around the neck and kisses on the cheek and, uh, and, and all the love and, and the accolades and good words that are said, all of those things are wonderful. But if you really want to appreciate and esteem your staff, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Mark, those who are operating here as the leadership of the church, if you really want to appreciate them, then I would say maybe something that you ought to really put down deep into your heart is number one, that you will trust them. You see, if, if you're not willing to trust them, then something's wrong with your heart or you have the wrong leaders. And by trusting them, that doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to agree with every last thing or be some sort of cookie cutter kind of Christian. But what it does mean is that you get on board with the vision that they set for the church, whether that be with the youth, whether that be with the music, whether that be the church wine, whatever it is, if you want to esteem and appreciate them well, then you fall in line and you pull in the same direction. And it doesn't matter so much about all of the accolades as when they see you working for the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting that what they say should go in the church, should go. Not only should you trust them, you should be patient with them. Brothers and sisters, when I came here, I had a lot of hair up here. <laughs> there is not one leader in all the world. Listen, it doesn't matter to me whether you go out here and you find a guy who's 30 years old and he's got 60 years of experience. There is not one leader in all the world who is perfect. And you better be patient with him love them, pray for them, don't criticize them. And in fact, if you ever find yourself in the place where you disagree with well, I was one of the leaders of your church, here's what you should do, and you're all going to say in your own mind, oh yeah, that sounds good, but you'll never do it, and that's part of the problem. Listen to me. If you ever want to criticize or question something that your leadership is doing, here's what you ought to do. You ought to pray seven minutes a day for seven days for them, and for yourself and fast through a lunch and then go sit down with them and discuss what it is that you disagree. You won't do that. And if you won't do that, something's wrong with your heart. Don't question and hurt and criticize and talk about the authority God puts in your life without praying for them first. Notice what the text says. So I I kind of set that in your lap. So you you need to trust your leadership. You need to be patient with your leadership. And here's another thing going forward. And y'all hear me and then I'll, I'll, I'll explain something from the text. I'll hammer away at the next pastor for you for a second. Okay. The third thing I would say is if you want to appreciate your staff and your leadership here, don't you check out, don't you dare check out you ought to be more faithful here next week. There ought to be more of you here next week than are here today. Don't check out. You put in here, you lower the plow, put it down deep in the ground, and keep plowing. If I hear that you give up or let up or quit or walk away, something will hurt my heart. This church is not about me, nor has it ever been. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a hearty Amen. amen long after this body lies cold in the grave and nobody puts flowers on my tombstone, Jesus will still be Lord of lords and King of kings. And all I am is a servant of God doing the best I can with all of my life to bring glory to Jesus and you do the same thing with your life. Not about me, it's about Him. Get plugged in. Start working, start serving, start giving. That's how you show appreciation. Now, notice what it says here in the text. Notice these three little participial phrases. That you appreciate those who notice diligently labor among you. Don't you, don't, don't find somebody. I remember years ago when I first came here, somebody was talking to me and I made a point. I, I notched it away. Somebody said to me, uh, are you just going to sit up there in that, uh, in that nice pastor's office or are you going to be down here with us? I've, I've done my dead level best to be down here every week. <laughs> It's a nice office. Don't you hire somebody that just sit up in an ivory tower and tell you what to do. You've got to be with people. You need to find a pastor who will be laboring among you. Notice what it says here. And have the charge over you in the Lord. Now, you know what that means about you? That means that you're going to have to find leadership And you already have two staff members. You already have Pastor Jamie and Pastor Mar. You ought to submit to their leadership. And if you're unwilling to do that, you're against God. God has called every human being in this room to submit to him and to submit to the leaders that God puts in your life. You want your children and your grandchildren to grow up. And if you're a good parent, if you're a good grandparent, you want them to submit to good godly leadership that you're giving them. Why would you expect anything less from you and your church family the way that God put it in the Bible? These brothers aren't going to lord it over you. They're not mean people. They've, they've already shown you that they're able to direct and lead in a right and good way, and there's something wrong with our hearts if we're not willing to walk into this place and say, whatever you, know, whatever you say, as long as it's in the Bible and it's right, we're going to do that. They have the charge over you. You should, you should read uh, Hebrews 13, 17 sometime in your, in your own time. Not right now. Don't look it up. Don't Google it. I know some of you do that. One day, one day, me and whoever else is here, I will, I will stand before the living God of heaven with my knees knocking and I will have to give an account for you and how I've taught you and how I've ministered to you. And that's one of the greatest fears of my life. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says that they may do it with joy for your sake. The people that lead in this church, you ought to follow. Let them have charge over you. Notice what the third one says here. In the Lord, and give you instruction. The word here is admonishment. Admonishment. And that means that sometimes they come alongside and they give you an attaboy. And that means that sometimes they come alongside and say, get it together. Straighten up and fly right. Pull up on the handlebars. Live for Jesus, don't live for yourself. You ought to find a pastor and you have pastors who are leading you in that way. They're serving among you, right? They have the charge over you and they're giving you instruction. So just hitch your wagon right up to theirs and pull in the same direction. Notice quickly in verse 14 and 15, the people. That's us looking across the pew to each other. Notice that he says here, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. That means that if you have brothers and sisters that are inside the congregation at EBC, and they are causing problems, or gossiping, or just just not doing the things that they know to be doing. It's the same word that the, is used for those who are elders in verse number thirteen, that, or verse number twelve. That you're to give instructions or to admonish them, encourage the faint-hearted. You know what? It's not so much about you as it is a whole bunch of other people in this room. Everybody in here is carrying a burden and many of you don't know what those burdens are, but I assure you, everybody in here has a burden that they're carrying. Some are carrying cancer. Some are carrying heartaches. Some have lost somebody in the last year and you need to reach out to those who are faint hearted and love on them and encourage them and strengthen them. And then notice what it says here. Not only encourage the faint-hearted, but help the weak. There will be brothers and sisters in our congregation right here that go a little weak in the knees. I'm reminded, and, uh, I think, uh, when George, uh, uh, George Bush was going to go to war the first time, or whatever you make of that, back in the early 90s, Margaret Thatcher called him in the middle of the night and said, George, now is not the time to go wobbly in the knees, sir. I say to all of you, now is not the time to go wobbly in the knees, but some of you will. So those of you who are strong, walking with Jesus, you reach out a hand with your mouth, with your heart, with your actions, strengthen those who are weak and be patient with everyone. Now, don't take take white out and mark that out of your verse, okay? Everybody see that? Be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. That means be patient with everyone in the Greek. That's exactly what it means. (laughs) Look at verse number 15. See that no one repays evil with evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Brothers and sisters, we need to preserve unity and love and joy and peace and grace within the body of our church. And you do that by being patient with one another, not returning tit for tat and evil for evil, but by esteeming them highly and loving them and being patient with them and and reaching across the aisle and joining together as the body of Christ. You know what I told you a few minutes ago about ever bringing an accusation or criticizing or not following the leadership of your church? I said, you ought to pray seven minutes a day for seven days and fast through a lunch. You ought to do the same thing before you ever open your mouth at a business meeting. And maybe when you're in a business meeting, if you have a dissenting view, that's fine. It's not unanimity, it's unity. But right before, you, right before you say something, won't you just pray in your heart and say, Lord, help me to be right. And not just be right about what it is that I want to say. Help me to be kind and gracious and loving and patient. And then speak. Now what kind of meetings do you think you'd have if everybody prayed that way in their own mind, and their own heart, before they ever said a word? All right. Now that it's really quiet, verse number 16 to 22, let me give you the person. This is the individual person. Notice the staccato notes. I I wish I could show you this. It's, It's just, it's almost like a machine gun or a staccato note. It's just boom, 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 boom. Right, right away. Look at what you ought to be doing. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That means you ought to live the kind of life that's not an eeyore and that you you don't find uh, terrible things and all. You ought to come in here next Sunday and you ought to rejoice. I'm not talking about faking it, but being excited. You ought to sing to the glory of God. Listen, when you sing, just, just sing like you sing when you're in the shower. Rejoice always in what God has done. And then notice what it says right on the heels of that. We rejoice always and we pray without ceasing. The word here for ceasing is the same word that has to do with when the when the uh, wave kind of crashes against the shore. It's not that God is saying here that you have to have one unbroken prayer every day and moment of the rest of your life, but just in the same way that the waves kind of lap against the shore again and again and again and again, there ought to be something a prayerful spirit about us that all through the day we just throw up these little prayers before the Lord, asking Him for help uh, from temptation, ask asking Him for our family, asking Him to help in our church, asking Him to give direction to our leadership, asking God to bless, asking God to save, just live a life that has this ebb and flow of the waves crashing against the shore of prayer. There ought to be rejoicing and there ought to be prayer in our life. And then look at verse 18. In everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The will of God is for you to give thanks now, brothers and sisters, you're going to have to search. There are times in your life. Is it the will of God that we buy this house? Is the will of God that we do this? Is, is this the will of God? And, and you can work through all of that in a wisdom kind of way with God. But there are certain things in the Bible that tell you this is God's will for your life. And that is that you are to be thankful. And then notice what he says here. Do not quench the spirit. When you, when you come to church together, you, you come together, don't have, uh, don't have a bad spirit about you. Have a good spirit. Before you come into the doors of the sanctuary, confess your sin. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to give you a loving heart toward all of your brothers and sisters. And when you come in here, you come in here to worship the holy God. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't put out what He is trying to do in the hearts of individuals. In fact, maybe you ought to say from the positive standpoint, put more sticks on the fire. Amen? Come in here come in here with a clean heart and pure hands. Come in here and give your whole life to Jesus. Come in here and sing to the glory of God at the top of your lungs. Come in here and love on each other. And pray together. and Give to the glory of God. And, 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 and watch how all of those sticks will just pull into the fire of God and make it erupt in here. And the Spirit of God can move in and out of the lives and hearts of people and save unbelievers and change people into the image of Jesus. Don't quench the Spirit. Spirit of God. Verse number 20. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every, from, uh, from, abstain from every form of evil. Here's the, here's the issue in verse uh, 20 and 21. At another time, we could take that part and speak about as to what, uh, you know, what all of this is entailed in that, or is that talking about uh, early church sign gifts and all of that. But I think for what I would say, what is most important for our church today is to think in terms of the prophecy or the word of the go- of God, the preaching of the word of God. And that is, that uh, it says, do not pers- despise the prophetic utterance or the preaching of the word, but exactly. Examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. You ought to make sure that the preaching every week, and you have leaders that will make sure of that, the preaching and the teaching, and in your own life, you're leading and guiding, that you are using the Word of God and that you're using it correctly, that which is right and good, and that you're not led astray by false prophecy. And a whole bunch of things that detract from the true message of the Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me give you in just a couple of minutes here the last. Look at verse number 23 through the following. This kind of a benediction. Now, may the God of peace... Now, what you ought to notice is that verse uh, 12 and 13 begin there with the, uh, with the issue of peace. And verse 23 and following deal with God who gives the peace. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. That, and maybe, uh, maybe, that, uh, maybe we, should, we could say something on a playful way of saying that this is the God who makes us holy and holy. One with an H and one with a W. God is about the business of making us holy, that is conformed to the image of Jesus, that is without sin, that is the putting off of the old man, the putting on of the new man, conforming us to his image, that is be holy for I am holy, that we are to become more like Christ and at the same time that we are becoming like Christ, we are becoming holy who God created us to be our personalities and our life and all the decisions we make and the way that we live and the way that we govern all that we do, that God is making us into the pattern of Jesus and we are becoming who God completely intended us to be. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, now notice here: faithful is He who calls you; He also will bring it to pass. I've been meditating on that verse this past week. Isn't that a marvelous verse? Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass, brothers and sisters. You leave here today; you leave with your held your head held high, not in the power and the grace of yourself, but because the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and you are His bride and He loves you. He'll watch out for you. He'll take care of you. Submit to Him. Submit to His leadership that He's put in your life through the church. Come together in unity and watch God bless. Now to the parting. Brethren, pray for us. Be my great desire that you'd pray for us. Pray for those who are going out in our congregation to share Christ. Pray for those who are going around the world to share Christ. Pray for us. And then the most important verse in the Bible, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. No, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. If you try to kiss me after this, it won't turn out good for you, all right? That's just a, this is, a, you have to contextualize here. Greet the brethren with a holy kiss. That was an early church, early centuries form. And in fact, still in certain cultures today, this is a perfectly appropriate thing. But you can greet the brethren with a holy hug or a holy pat on the back or a holy kiss on the cheek. Or, you know, just contextualize it to where you are. But you, here's, what, here's what I'd like to you to get. Pray for those who are going and love them. There's a physicality to the love here. It's not just in the book of James where he says, be warmed and filled as you go on your way. No, I'm going to wrap my arms around you. Let me ask you this. When Jesus healed lepers, do you think he just reached out and touched them with one finger like that? Or do you see Jesus hugging people? Maybe you ought to think about that. How do you think the Lord Jesus... Interacted with people physically. Love them. then look at verse 27. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. You see, the word of God is not simply for us four no more. The word of God is for every church around the world, God's people and we partner together with them, we love them, and we live faithfully before the Lord. And then the book ends in the same place that it began, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 1. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May God put His grace and His mercy and His love upon every believer in this room, upon this church. He's been good to us and He loves us. i share this and then we'll have a time of prayer. So I think a few weeks ago when I talked to the church, I've heard a number of people say, you accidentally turned your microphone off. <laughs> so let uh, me just for those of you that are still saying, oh, where's, where's Pastor Steve going to serve? What's going on? Uh, so Connie and I and the boys will be leaving on the 11th. Uh, to go down to um, Florida, and then we'll fly out, I think on the 20th. And we will be going to Grand Cayman. And I uh, will be uh, a serving as a pastor of um, uh, pastor of leadership and preaching on staff at a church there. And so my uh, primary duties are to do much of what I do here uh, and to disciple and to uh, do pastoral care, to preach, and to uh, love that congregation as well, too. Uh, on the side, there is a uh, seminary that's akin to the church. And they train young pastors who go into the Caribbean and uh, plant and establish churches. And so I will also be teaching there some. And so that's primarily my job. i a pastor of uh, discipleship and uh, of, of this here at the church. And then teaching some periodically where I can. Uh, We want to express to you uh, that we love you so much and that we are incredibly grateful and thankful for our years here. You have been so good to us. And uh, I wish, I I really do, I wish I had a better vocabulary or I wish I could just squeeze all of you and just let you know from us how good you've been to us. You've been uh, our church family. Our families live quite a distance from here. And so you've become our family, whether you want it to be or not. And, uh, and uh, we cherish that. We, uh, we just appreciate you've been there for us through good times and through bad times. And so we're incredibly thankful. I pray that you'll listen to the Word of God today. That you'll let that simple pattern there help you. And that you'll come together. You already have good leadership here. Pastor Jamie, you have uh, Pastor Mark, you have Krista in the office, you establish here listen to your pastors follow them, be submissive to them, let your deacon body come around and, and, and bring somebody who's next don't bug out don't quit come together work together and let God bless His bride Amen? Amen. All right. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? In just a minute, we'll stand together and, and, and sing. I just want to share with you, because I think I would be amiss out of all these years if I didn't do what's most important. You should know today, whether you're a member or a visitor, that all that we've said and the text that we've preached from today, it is all built on Jesus Christ, who came into this world, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on the cross taking your sin into His body. He rose three days later. He ascended into heaven. And one day He is coming back for those who have trusted in Him. If you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I plead with you and beg with you, turn to Him. Turn away from your sin and ask Him to save you. And He will. For all my brothers and sisters that are in here, let us be faithful to Jesus. Faithful to each other. And to leave this place today determined to share Christ with the unbelievers that we know and to bring somebody with us next week to church. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcralee.com.